0: piano player a french new wave podcast um this is a special episode for uh i can't remember what month uh it doesn't matter because this is the first of three or four three three sunbin movies we're going to do and uh because black girl counts as french new wave therefore sunbin counts as french new wave and that's how i'm going to justify it uh so this is the first Simbin one and uh no Joel for this half. And um so uh I with uh returning well, I guess I think returning for the first time this season is uh Kessler.
1: MV- Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. Alright, so uh I'm still not hundred percent on pronouncing the name of this movie.
1: Yeah, I I feel like any time we talk about African Sino we we have to just issue the customary apology in advance for any potential mispronunciations. I I tried to pay attention this time and I think yeah, it's like Kala but I I keep calling it Xala uh, or Shala or some variation that I'm sure is is hardly correct, but it's uh, it, it sounded like Kala something like that last time I Watched specifically with the pronunciation in mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's the closest I I wrote it down in my notes, but I'm still not uh uh paused a hundred percent on it. But um, all right. So first, uh, this was on a schedule. This isn't like a random one where I asked you. Um, so what made you want to pick this one?
1: I guess, uh, this was the first Senbane film I'd ever seen. I actually saw it in film school with the professor Testakahashi who, uh, showed us a lot of cool stuff actually, but, uh, this was her pick. So this is my introduction to Senbane and probably the first film from Senegal I'd ever seen. So it kind of stuck out in my memory. Uh, like I, I liked it right from the start and especially after seeing more of his work like Bulade. and uh, Black Girl and Mandabi and Sido and like a, you know a couple of others to come back and watch it now and see how it fits into his body of work really interesting it's probably one of my favorites i think um i don't watch it as much as maybe Black Girl since that's uh, a little bit of a shorter film so it's kind of easier to throw on and you have these like nice criteria and editions for both Black Girl and now Mandabi and the, the version I have of, uh, Salah doesn't really look the best. So I probably haven't watched it as much as some of the others, but I I think like the sense of humor is something I've been drawn to. And I don't know. I I really like the film. Uh, the, the commentary, I guess is one of the more interesting things about it, but it's, it's just sort of a, it's kind of a sex comedy. I feel like is part of it or, um, I mean, a lot of people say political satire, but I, I think it's, it's like a satire of power. You know, there's like the patriarchal satire, there's the political satire, and how those things tie together is really interesting. But, um, yeah, there, there's a lot to dig into with this film. So I, I thought it would be a good
0: pick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I first saw this, I think, because it's on it's on YouTube. Uh, if you want to watch it there, but I started on, on YouTube here a few years ago, and I just found mm-hmm. hard to watch on YouTube.
1: Yeah, then, the YouTube quality is not great. I think it's like one of those YouTube files that's been up for ten years or something like that, and uh, yeah. it's like three sixty p or something.
0: Yeah, but then uh, FilmStruck had it. And I think they had a restored print version, or a restored version of it. Uh, they had it only for like a couple months, I remember. But I made sure it made a point to catch it. And it I didn't, didn't really click with me. I overall liked it, but, um, my favorite son Ben is still Camp, what, how do you say it, Camp Theater already? Right. I think so. Yeah. His World War Two movie, which, uh, right. is another one that kind of. Uh, is I don't want to say it's lost or overlooked, but like it just hasn't had a good release, kind of like uh, Sh- Chala, which is just like which kind of why is it's um, you know, it I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, the second time watching uh, this it was uh, uh, revelatory because then I was like, oh, okay, I, I like it's kind of a lot to take in and you have to see at least for me I had to see it a couple times to realize to really part to really sink in but uh yeah this is just a great like genuinely like really funny like acidic satire
1: <laughs> and I don't know if you like for people listening who haven't seen it if it's okay to summarize the plot but uh I mean, the, the log line, I guess, is this um, this guy, Al-Hadish, who's kind of a corrupt business person. Um, and this is sort of right at the beginning of Senegal's independence from France. Uh, this guy, like right from the first scene, he's uh, basically getting in on <laughs> uh, corruption. He decides to take a third wife. And he ends up with, uh, Xala, which is this curse of, uh, impotence. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the curse of, uh, limpdick. i <laughs> kind of calling Very it. I, I think it's, uh, something that really does come from, uh, Boloff folklore and tradition, but, um just how it's employed in this film is, is really interesting and funny, so. That's, like, the basic setup for what's going on, and you realize, like, okay, there's, like, several level, several levels of um, maybe satire or critique going on all at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, okay, so there's a lot to, to break down. So, first off, well, what... Um, we'll start with negative. Um, do you not like about this movie, if you have any issues with it?
1: Uh, I think the the stuff I don't like about it is sort of what I wish there was more of. Like, I was thinking, especially this time around, I kind of wish there was more substance between the, the kind of tension with uh, Al-Hadish and his daughter, uh, Rama, who... I just confirmed with you before we started recording, it's the same actress from Tukipuki. But I I kind of felt like maybe there should have been more there. And I've heard the novel, also written by uh, Semben, that this is based on, there's maybe more of that there. But I think the film ran into some censorship issues. I heard he had to do something like um, 11 different cuts of the film to finally get it into a state where they would let him release it. But there's a couple things like that where he sort of felt like, ah, maybe there's more going on here and it feels a little bit truncated um I I think that was my kind of feeling this time is maybe some of this could have been expanded upon yeah uh,
0: uh Mir- Miriam Anyang mm-hmm. uh is the actress uh and uh, I the it, uh, the replacement at going off of that um the replacement for um Elhaj at the end I thought for a second was uh, Mori from Tuki uh Uh, uh
1: guy comes in with the cowboy hat.
0: Yes, <laughs> I thought it was him for a second. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool to have both of them back, but um, it's not.
1: No, um,
0: but uh, and, I mean,
1: it just—I I think this came out. Did this come out before or after Tuki Bookie? I, I forgot it, to
0: double check. Uh, after.
1: After. I mean, that makes sense. It almost feels like it's it's maybe not directly riffing off of uh, Tukibuki, but it's kind of in dialogue with some of those same issues. And I think, like, what uh, what the film is, is partly addressing is the idea of post-colonialism and it's uh, sort of critiquing it. I, I think, like, uh, Senben sort of says something like, oh, like, I, I don't really believe in... Post-colonialism—it's just like medical colonialism, and that kind of comes through in this film. Where um, you know, even though the French have left mm-hmm. officially, and you know, you have these—you uh, know—they talk about at the very beginning, like okay, like you know, we're going to seize the businesses and the banks, and uh, you know, we're going to have these African uh, Senegalese in charge. You still have those kind of more subtle ties to the. European money, like, I mean, there's one character specifically, um, I, I think he even has a name, it's like dupont durant the, the white guy who's, like, constantly in the background of all these scenes, and, like, a lot of the time he's not doing anything, but, like, his constant presence kind of feels, like, very deliberate to remind you of, um, you know, okay, like, in some ways this colonialism hasn't really ended, and, you know,
0: yeah. there's people Wait. His name is Dupont, that, that should be a very clear, uh, uh, like, <laughs> sure. not, like uh, j- joke. Cause I, I also, I, um, I live in Delaware and the DuPonts came to Delaware and kind of like built like the, like the state up basically, uh, with like, you know, uh, I think it was like gun, gunpowder or something. And then, you know, they helped with like the NASA shit. But, you know, it's, uh, industry capitalism. Mm-hmm. And just seeing him in there, it's like, it was that name was like, it's clearly, like, what he's going for with the...
1: I, like, I think part of the critique, too, it's not just, like, okay, the, you know, it's computer, uh, continued imperialism, colonialism, but it's also how people will use the idea of, like, uh, the perception of change to kind of mask that this is still going on. Like, uh, to me, that kind of came up in it, or, you know, how in some ways tradition gets uh, co-opted a little bit for people who are in a position of power. Like, you know, I was sort of thinking this time around, especially, you know, that, Oh, the tradition's great when it means that he can have like a third wife, but then, you know, when it starts to backfire, then all of a sudden, you know, his attitude starts to change. And, you know, you see again, a little bit of that with the daughter, like there's that one scene where, you know, he's offering water and she's like, Oh I like I don't drink
0: <laughs>
1: you know, European water and you know she seems just like a little bit more wary of
0: Yeah, of uh, that, that power. Yeah. Uh that team in particular. Um she's wearing I took screenshots of it too. Um she's wearing like purple and uh gold and she matches uh color wise with the a poster of Africa behind her right. that is purple and gold. And then uh they had cut to um uh, uh Paj, and he is wearing black and he's against a white wall and it's a very uh, obvious look at like he you know he wants to be European. He he's talking about like, you know, importing everything from Europe and he's front of a white wall and his daughter is uh, blended in with, like, the poster of Africa.
1: Right. Yeah, I, like, that's a really good point. She sort of feels representative of, uh, like, modern Africa or the future for Africa. And Like, I think also one thing that does come up in a lot of sent Ben films, it's um, I don't know if you want to say, like, feminism or at least, like, sort of considering the point of view of women, like, you know, everything from Black Girl up to Mulade, like, has some element of that. Like, here
0: Ex- <laughs> Camp as uh, a the, the theroid, that that one is yeah uh, probably the least uh but it but that's also based off of like uh, real incidents in World War Two right. uh, with soldiers so you know but
1: I, I think uh, like there's an element in in this film of like criticizing machismo or patriarchy and I like it's sort of interesting that he make, makes the daughter the kind of voice of uh, criticism for this in the film, and how it kind of links this more obvious political, economic kind of power structure to something that's a little bit more intimate and personal with him like literally being the, the patriarch of his family and kind of uh, making a mess of things.
0: Yeah, and uh will so get to all right. The uh, okay. So like the like the the big thing in the movie, which are like the um, you know the the limp dick. So basically <laughs> like that 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 becomes like this bigger metaphor of like the of of uh, of like government and power, uh, like in Senegal. But also like you could uh, where am I going with this? I mean, one thing that kind
1: of jumps out to me that, like, I think it's funny, but there's also definitely, like, a critique there or moral there, or however you want to say, it. but it's kind of funny, like, the the cure for the curse, the Xala, it's, um, it, like, he has to be humbled. I think it's sort of the point of that, like, you know, he has to maybe... uh at one point he tries like crawling on all fours like a dog and, and like the, I mean the very end the conclusion like the the sort of cure that's presented they're like okay like take off all your clothes and let us spit on you and it's all the people who he's uh, basically ripped off he's, he's like stole their land and uh, you know they want revenge and you find out they're the ones who put the curse on him but it's like I, I don't know if that solution of, uh, like, take off your clothes and let it spit on you has roots in, um, you know, tradition or anything like that. But, like, it it really just jumped out at me. Like, this guy really needs to be kind of humiliated and humbled. And, you know, after the sort of uh, first time he has the curse lifted, you know, he starts talking to his buddies about, like, democracy and how we're all... um, basically, and that's what gets him ousted from his group, and you know ultimately financially hurts him, but it, like I, I think it's interesting that the here was sort of the impetus for that you know maybe shift in conscience or attitude where he's he's actually sort of critical of his own position of power like that seems to go hand in hand I think with the the theme of the film
0: yeah and the, uh He's anti-tradition for uh, a big chunk of it, and like you immediately get it with the the mortar and pestle ritual, and he refuses to do it as he thinks it's ridiculous. He's like, "This is a modern country. We don't we don't you do this stuff anymore." And it's just, uh, and also like seeing the image of the 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 the, uh, the, the mortar and pestle is like oh, this is looks like a penis. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, like, know, what what do you think about the polygamy in the film? Because, like, yeah, he's, he's anti-tradition, but, again, like, he's sort of exploiting it when it, it's something that he feels like he can take advantage of. Like, it's... Um, I mean, I was messaging you last night. Like, it, it made me... It reminded me of this um, documentary. I think it's called Without the King... Which is sort of about the um, the eldest daughter of the king of Swaziland, Maswadi the Third, and uh,
0: like, it's Eswatini now,
1: right? Right. Um, it was Swaziland, but like yeah. it was sort of in the news um, in the past couple of weeks because there were democracy protests and uh, a bunch of protesters were murdered, journalists were tortured. This was like a whole thing, but like uh, part of the the critique of the King uh, that comes up in this documentary I I was thinking of like it's connected directly to the polygamy and the way that tradition is kind of used to guide this neglect for his people and this sort of abuse of power and uh, something about that uh, you know I mean obviously like different country different part of Africa but like just seeing some of those issues explored in real life maybe think back to Xala and just I, I think part of what it's critiquing or what it's trying to say.
0: Yeah, but uh yeah, I like that this like it feels like some is purposely like being like I I d I don't know if he practiced it but I feel like he's criticizing the practice of it where uh, right. yeah and like that's still a still a thing in Senegal. If in in Atlantic that's a that's a minor subplot with between her and her friends, right? and it were, like, there's a point where her friend's like, oh, if you could, uh, like, I can be his uh, his third wife, and it's like, oh, I thought you guys were friends. You just want him for, for the money. Okay. Right. But, um...
1: <laughs> I, I like, there's one part in Salat where there's the one guy who's saying, like, ah, you know, I have two wives. Why don't you have two husbands? And he kind of <laughs> brings it <laughs> in that way to the, I think it's the secretary, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I philosophically like. I don't really have anything against the the idea of polygamy, but it's more just you see, kind of go hand in hand with other issues. Uh, you yeah. know, like in a lot of other groups, not just in Africa. Like you think of like warming communities where you have uh, yeah. spousal it's abuse always, or child abuse. Like it, it does.
0: It's it's always men get get the get the privilege and women don't get the
1: privilege. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it becomes. Um, more about an abuse of power in a lot of instances than or you know it it seems connected to that where like in this film like you already get a sense that his first two wives don't get along super well or like you know they're both sort of unhappy in different ways with him. It's like you can't even keep one woman happy like what, what do you mean get an extra wife I sort of think about it that way you know it's um yeah,
0: it's a it's show like your responsible of, um... attempt to. Yeah, it's it's a show of um power and uh yeah. and, and, like status because like from my understanding is like the the general thinking is if you can afford to support a second wife or third wife then yeah. they're allowed to, and so with him like uh, you know being rich he's like to show how rich he is he has to like uh uh in to feed that ego.
1: Simple and it's of course yeah. it's like you know, young, beautiful woman. Like, the actress looks about the same age as the actress playing the daughter. Like, yeah, again, like, that made me think of that uh, without the King documentary where the daughter's talking about, like, oh, like, my my father's new wife is younger than I am and, you know, it's, it just means, like, you know, he's adding something somebody to this family, so it's you know, all the affection and care and money just gets split up between more people and how it kind of complicates that relationship, you know, in a very personal way. So, like, I I thought a little bit of that, again, just, you know, not so much an abstract, but, like, the reality of what that would mean to bring somebody else into your family, kind of, especially if everyone else is against it. Uh, So, I don't know. I, I was thinking a little bit about just how polygamy kind of fits into this
0: film. But, yeah. And like um, me that one thing, yeah. And like this, like that ties into the whole thing with like the cultural history of like, like you are saying, like uh, the, the, the when when traditional things benefit him, like multiple wives, uh, you know, that's good. But when it, but when it doesn't, but when it's like you know. A ritual before a wedding. He's like, oh, no, I don't need to do that. That's just a waste of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of picking and choosing of traditions based on like whatever benefits you or how you can kind of exert power over people. Like, I think like that. That idea sort of woven into the film, but but I mean the marriage doesn't last because he he never consummates it. So. <laughs> yeah. Even They even returned, like, the wedding dress, I think, at the end. They, like, sent all the stuff back. Uh, and, I, like, just to kind of connect that idea of um, using tradition in that way, like, it's also in these in the way that these uh, post-colonial ideas are kind of manipulated to maintain power, like, at the beginning when they were talking about uh, African socialism and things like that and it's mm-hmm. it's right over top of these guys basically taking bribes from Europeans that you see the way that maybe the rhetoric of uh, independence and post-colonialism can be manipulated to kind of hide abuses of power, people kind of maintaining uh, power to
0: do things for their own benefit, you know? Uh, yeah. I, uh, was. Yeah, uh... uh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay, uh... Yeah, uh... Yeah, and with abuse of power, like, this shows that it's not just, um, like that, uh, one of the big points that abuse of power wasn't just a colonial, colonial era thing, because, like, uh, once, you know, the, the, the Europeans are gone, like, it will still happen regardless, which mm-hmm. is, like, both part of, like, the, like, the comedy of it, uh, 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 but to a degree, but also part of, like, I think this movie is will always be relevant because, like, it, it will just part of the human experience. Right. Unfortunately, because, like, uh, uh, cause like, uh, there's a, I think, like, right after he joins, like, the, the committee or council, whatever that thing was, um, uh, and he has, like, and he goes to his store and he has all the beggars. Um, forced off the street, yeah, like for tourism, tourism purposes. <laughs> I can't remember what the line was, and like, then that, that like that happens today of like you know making sure like there're no like displaced people hanging out to because that will make something look you know bad or trashy or whatever.
1: You know when you get into like the idea that he was uh, falsifying names for. Seizing property and stuff like that. Like, I think also just trying to get people like that removed, it, it's like a way for him to kind of bury his own guilt or shame or, uh, you know, I, I, he, he doesn't want to be reminded of, you know, maybe the people he's exploited also. And, and something about like, you know, when they're showing, uh, a lot of these, Beggars and many of them have uh, physical disabilities. And like I was thinking a little bit of um, Veridiana and maybe some fun well films, but uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure where I go with that. Just uh. the thought I had watching it this time.
0: Yeah, uh, it feels like a possible influence <laughs> on the little girl who sold, who sold the sun. This Muppet uh, oh, yeah. movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see that also. I'm trying to think of what they say at the end. Something like, uh, "Well, you know, you lost your dignity and your honor, but like maybe you can still keep your virility." Or... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like uh, whenever you see the the the, the disabled people uh, in the street, every single time it's uh, you hear like the like the the basically the theme music, which is a very traditional music, and like you get the look of. It's a just you know, reinforcement of these are the people he's su- he's supposed to you know care about and give a shit about, but it turns out he's just like French there before. Yeah, that's it for for that thought.
1: No, I, like I, I know what you're getting at. And, like I always feel like if a person's in a position of power and they know how to make the world a better place and they choose not to, like there, there's something really kind of. I don't know, unforgivable about that, you know. Like it's not. You, uh, I. I think like you know the scene that it feels like him kind of redeeming himself a little bit. It's when he's actually kind of talking to his uh, the the other people in the committee, and he starts talking about like you know how greedy we are and how like all we do is kind of redistribute whatever the French left and stuff like that and it, of course that gets him kicked out of the group, but like up to that point, there's almost nothing redeemable about LEDs, like it kind of takes this curse to kind of make him reflect on maybe what's really important but
0: Yeah Uh, yeah. would, Would you consider this a fantasy film?
1: Uh, I don't know. Like I, I didn't really think of it that way. Like even, even the curse, like it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily feel like it takes a a supernatural belief to kind of accept when you're watching this film. It, it, like something about it's very matter of fact. It's like you know he has the curse put it on him and take it off and put it on again, and it's like. Uh, it it factors into the plot, but it it doesn't feel fantastical to me. Like it's, I don't know, like, like. I mean, you don't need a curse put on you to have uh, erectile dysfunction, but like it just seems like part of the, um, I don't know, the the framework of the film or the reality of the film, and I just sort of accept it as is. I I didn't really think <laughs> about it as, as something um, fantastical or.
0: Okay, like, Even like, the
1: way that, like, the, the curse is removed, like, you know, you see you see them going through some kind of rituals, or uh, tr- forcing them to try certain things like being uh, spit on, and it just feels, like, very matter of fact, like, there's nothing really it, it, you know, it doesn't ask you to accept anything that feels, like, magical, or I don't know.
0: Because, okay. uh, like, the uh... Cause like having like the the curse element, uh, this may this added like may it feel like a folktale, just like but a modern day folktale.
1: Yeah, that that's a better that's a better way to think of it than, I think maybe as a fantasy or something like that. Like, I mean, it feels like, uh, because it's kind of working in this realm of allegory and like some of this is stuff, some of this has obviously been to satirical, that it kind of uses that folk element to make their critique, and it's not like it's... I don't know. It it doesn't feel like out of place or anything like that.
0: Okay. I was wondering that aspect of it. Uh, Let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, with the what, when you get the first appearance of the third wife, this is the thing I'm trying to piece together? Like, what exactly is supposed to be you? Because uh, I think that's during the oh, no, the crowds are still happening, or or they have just ended. But there is like traditional singing happening, but there's also she's stuck in traffic, and the sound of traffic is like overpowering the sound of singing. Right.
1: I. I mean, there's something going on with the modes of transportation in the film. Like At one point, I mean, one of the gifts is that car that's all wrapped up. Um, Mm -hmm. But, like, there's points where it seems like through the editing it very deliberately juxtaposes like car versus uh, somebody going around on a horse and buggy at one point you see. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's kind of interesting that I mean, like, the car is sort of a status symbol, but the the daughter Rama, she's going around on this like little moped, and it kind of feels like okay, it's not completely stuck in the past, but it's also not this like um, powerful status symbol either. It's something more pragmatic, the motorcycler or moped, or maybe it's just meant to be a reference to Tukibuki. I, I don't know, but like you know, maybe there's something that you could read into it about the um, the relationship between the traditional and the kind of modern power status of the automobile and then, you know, maybe something in between. Mm. Like, I, I don't think... Like, I don't know how you feel about it. I noticed on, like, Wikipedia there was, under the criticism mm. section, something about, like, oh, it's about this uh, binary between, like, the traditional and the modern. And I, I didn't really see it as saying that. Like, I think it's sort of looking at the... Maybe the balance between the traditional and the... uh modern or like you know, trying to find a modern place for African culture, Senegalese culture, Wolof culture out being just defined through European influence. Like I I think it was sort of more about like okay like how do we really modernize and take control for ourselves. And like I, I think that kind of fits into it somehow also that it's not really about like okay, we need to return to all these traditions. It's like, you know, you have to look to the traditions in the past and see how to update them in a responsible way or make them fit into the modern culture.
0: Okay. with the with the whole like committee of business owners who like took took over the economic um, branch, uh, well, I I think like the whole the political angle is supposed to be like kind of bland uh, and not like that uh, that specific allegory of like money power, you know, their business owners yeah. being paid off, like it's not hard to figure out but
1: um and also like how you know maybe they're like systems designed to kind of benefit the people who uh make the rules and like i mean he gets more into that in mandabi which is like all about basically money ruining somebody's life um but like i i was thinking about like mandabi how he kind of keeps going like Oh, to, to do this, you need to get the, uh, ID papers and to get the ID papers, you need the photograph and the guy who does the photographs that are official is closed on the weekends. And like, it kind of feels like he gets kind of more and more removed from just getting this, um, check process. But like, you know, I was thinking a little bit of yeah. that, that also watching this. It's not as in the forefront, the kind of monetary economic critique, but like, you know, because you see these different. Economic strata in Ksala, like it, it's still kind of present,
0: but okay, yeah. Uh, this almost, came up. Oh, sorry, oh, this came up when record on production booth, uh, on Toki But uh, one of the people on there, Ben Buckingham, brought up that, uh, um, uh, like Toki and I could, I can say it's Wachala also, that, um, uh like these stories have like a Kafka feel to them. Where in Kafka it's like a it's a white man who is going through something and he doesn't understand why he's being punished exactly and being like in bad things are happening. But like with these stories it with like to and to a lesser extent Shala, it's like these bad things are happening to them, but they but they aren't white and like they, they know why it's happening.
1: Well and like that kinda of gets to that matter-of-fact quality to it, or, you know, it, it is almost like a surrealist thing where this curse is implemented and, like, you just completely take it as a as a given, as a reality. Like, it, it doesn't feel fantastical. Like, you know, in, in that way, you know, it's like waking up in the morning and becoming a verb, and it's like, oh, you wake up one morning and you have this uh, curse of images put on you. I, I can see that, the kind of matter-of-fact approach also, I think. You know, fits
0: into that parallel. Yeah. Uh, was it? Um. Performance-wise, like nothing in this movie is like super big or flashy. It's like. Reminds me of Talai, in some ways, where it's just like very, yeah. like to a point. It's not flowery. It's not like purple. The whole thing is just kind of like, like, uh, like, it's like after the first night with the third wife uh and chewed out by the two older women and the one was like you didn't get an erection
1: (laughs) (laughs) doesn't she said something like like oh that girl could give like a dead person an erection (laughs) or some joke like that but i i don't know like how much of it's just the transfer though like i used to not think Man, Daddy looked that great and then the Criterion version came out with the new restoration like oh my god this movie's gorgeous like it, it felt like watching a whole new film so I kind of wondered if like if there's a restoration I might feel differently because like there's some shots where you know you see the outfits people have on like at the wedding or uh, there's a couple other scenes like I feel like maybe there's also sort of a juxtaposition between like the way some of the exteriors are shot or like certain scenes are shot where there is color and Uh, And then, like, some of the, you know, these, like, interior meetings between wealthy, powerful people are maybe deliberately shot in kind of a bland way where, like, you know, there's very little color used and it's sort of maybe deliberately shot in a flat way. Like, or, you know, even the the scene you mentioned where it's him talking with the daughter and she's in purple and has the uh, outline of Africa behind her and he's just against this, like, plain white background. You know, I, I think like there's a there's obviously like a strong visual component to this film, but it it can be a little bit like hard to gauge whether it's uh it's a beautiful film kind of with the current version that I have. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's it's a much better looking film than the current like I don't know, fifteen year old D V D would let on.
0: Yeah. Like, and and some like of the compositions
1: theater. are like oh, like again, just thinking of like Black Girl like some of the compositions mm-hmm. in that are so kind of bold and strong. And like here it feels a little bit more and like maybe deliberately low key in some in some scenes anyway. But there's like there's some shots I definitely think of uh that, you know, stick in my memory like I the second time he tries to have sex with the third wife and the, the way it kind of shoots her body and him coming in, like, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's a gorgeous shot. Uh, just compositionally, like uh, that does sort of make me think of um some of his other films that, uh, uh. I, I, I think like the visual component, like this is a film that would probably benefit from a restoration. I, I didn't see what was on Filmstruck, so it's hard to kind of uh. compare, but.
0: Yeah, I, that, I never what, had FilmStruck. So. <laughs> was that not available in Canada? Uh,
1: I don't think so. I mean, I never had FilmStruck, but I don't think FilmStruck was available in Canada anyway. I might be wrong, uh, but.
0: uh yeah, I can't, can't remember either. Um, but like going off of the, um, oh yeah, um, like like the like all like the. Like like the moment when, like uh, when he's being chewed out like like the, like the humor in this like really was more noticeable the second time through, and like it's 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 deadpan and like dry yeah. but like like if you're keyed into it like it's it's a very noticeable and the favorite joke is still at the end when he's uh, when he has the revelation and he says I will answer in Waluuf and then. Uh, and when one guy is like, like no 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 this is this is official business you you speak you speak French,
1: <laughs> or um I mean there's a couple of scenes of like women literally standing up to him but I always there's like one part early on when the second wife stands up to him and the way she just kind of like towers over him
0: and
1: <laughs> makes him go back down. like just uh there's like some physical comedy element to that that always cracks me up where like. She she just gets taller as he shrinks down. And,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and and uh, and the second wife I think is the yeah, yeah. She has a scene where like I don't care if you're chala like you're you're gonna spend a night with me tonight, and you yeah. never know it's, it's how, my turn. How it, how, <laughs> you never know how it how it turns out, but you you can assume like well, you know she was upset.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, you kind of get the impression like the second wife used to be kind of in the position where the third wife is in now where she was like the trophy wife or like the young hot wife and now like she's kind of getting displaced by this third wife coming in so like you see some of that resentment um, of of the husband not the new wife but uh, and like I don't know I, I think like seeing some of that tension between her and the first wife you can kind of imagine like you know, maybe there was probably already trouble when he was bringing in the second wife where, you know, he just wanted, like, you know, somebody young and hot to sleep with. And now it's been a couple of years and it's like now he's looking for the third wife. So. And even like the way they dress, like the, uh, um, his first wife, her outfits like more kind of traditional conservative and the second wife, she's, uh, dressing in a way that's like a little bit more modern, a little bit more uh, salacious even.
0: Yeah. It's not as modern as a daughter, but it's more oh, no. like, like she looks more like she could be like a background singer for the Supremes and some <laughs> right. with some her stuff.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, like it's a little bit more trendy I guess, or Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, uh, you probably noticed, but uh, at the end, when the beggars take over the house and like you know, and give him the the chance to um uh, to fix the cure, I think when Rama leaves her room, there's a poster of Black Girl in the room.
1: I I saw that too. I I guess it's some Ben kind of nodding to himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, I mean if you want to kind of take that into the, the world of the film, it sort of makes sense that, you know, maybe the daughters watching movies like black girl, that she's sort of thinking a little bit more about some of these political issues that said Ben's exploring or feminist issues or like, that's kind of where her headspace is at. Um, I wasn't sure she's got another poster on her wall of, uh, of a man. And I, I, I didn't recognize him, but, uh, I was trying to figure out who that was that she also had up on her wall. It
0: looked yeah, like uh, I, I, I wasn't I, catch, sure. Yeah, I didn't catch that either.
1: But it seemed like maybe there was also, like, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Sipin was, like, working in some kind of uh, political reference or pop culture reference with that went uh,
0: yeah, Yeah, you, you never know and uh um,
1: filmmakers love their their posters i mean like i i think it was also tarkovsky um uh, is it mir where he puts up the andre Rublev poster but uh you know like you can kind of nod to yourself some filmmakers not to other filmmakers that some some nod to themselves
0: <laughs> yeah it's been a while since i've seen um on but that uh what about what on uh i I remember character being more likable than Al Haj. Yeah. Correction, remembering that.
1: No, that that's totally correct. I mean, Bandabi, it's almost more like, okay, you get this big break and you know you're gonna have this money coming in, and it just makes everything like worse and worse. And like, not that everything he does is good. Like, I, you know, he sort of lies about getting robbed and stuff like that. But it's more out of desperation. Like. Led just kind of starts off as you know this sort of... I mean, one of the first things you see in the movie is him slapping his daughter when she's kind of trying to stand up to him, and like, it just already kind of makes you not like the guy, and everything you find out about him throughout just kind of makes you <laughs> like him less. Uh, it's only really at the end when he's humbled and... I mean, you don't even really know if he's going to change as a person. You just kind of hope that there's gonna be something cathartic coming out of that final scene where uh, everyone's big <laughs> <spinning> on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh I like, like, do you take the end when he's standing up to the the committee of other of other business owners, like do you take that as him actually feeling that or do you take that as him uh like posturing? I,
1: I I hope it's him actually feeling it, I guess is is how I think about that. Like I I think at that point, you know, he is having some kind of crisis of conscience. And I'm not sure if he'd go through with the uh, the exorcism or uh, whatever you want to say, the decursing at the the very end, if he wasn't feeling like, you know, maybe he was wrong or he's in the wrong, like, I, I don't know. I mean, there is probably a way to look at that psychoanalytical interpretation of this film with, like, the impotence maybe coming from his own guilt or his, you know, unconscious uh, repressed guilt. Like I I think there's probably a way to look at the film from that perspective. I'm not really the best at those kinds of interpretations, but I could see that maybe being a a way to look at the film, too. But I I think, like, you know, it it sort of makes sense that, um I guess it like, coming out of the curse being lifted, if that's when maybe you start to see some change in him. Okay. Yeah. Although, like, yeah. it very quickly kind of gets put back on I and mean, again. Like, the, the first time he gets uh, removed, the guy even says, like, you know, hey, be careful. Like, what, what, you know, one person removes another one, can kind of put back really quickly. And that kind of also connects back into the uh, commentary on power, but yeah,
0: and that and that line specifically makes it feel like a folk tale.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, so uh, there's a uh after the first wedding night with the uh, with his new wife, um, and and in the morning, like they're trying to figure out what happened. One of them brings a chicken. Is that yeah. supposed to be like part of a, a ritual?
1: Uh, I'd assume. So um, for a second, like when I was rewatching this, I hadn't seen it for a while, and I mean, we, we always had this concern about like Joel seeing an uh, animal death yeah. on screen. I'm like, oh shit, did I forget if somebody killed a chicken in <laughs> this movie? It was my first thought when I saw that. I guess that's happened. Uh, I guess multiple times at this point where I'm like, yeah. no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then oh right, there's a there's a turtle or a cow or something who dies on the screen. So <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Uh, but th- that that was my what was going through my head at that moment, but uh, I, I'm guessing it does probably come from some ritual. Like, I, I'm i not that familiar with uh, Wolof okay. culture. I know there there are other languages and cultures in Senegal, but that's yeah, one I mean, of the prominent
0: yeah, ones. And yeah, uh, most uh, back African countries have, like, at least five different languages. Yeah, like official,
1: like colonial, like, hey, all of you are distinct in different cultures. Guess what? You're one country now under us. Like, that kind of happened a lot. So, um, yeah.
0: And there's, like, I think roughly 3,000 different languages on a continent entirely.
1: Yeah, it's like, I think if you look in terms of cultural diversity, Africa's probably the most diverse place on Earth. But I, I think even, like, uh, in the Sen Ben documentary that came out like a couple of years ago, they might have mentioned that it, like, he grew up in a place where there were like three different languages being spoken, so he spoke like a little bit of everything. And like, even um, even in the film, you can kind of see like most of it's in French, but there's also Bolov, uh, and there are also like the greetings in Arabic. Um,
0: yeah, because you know, I think Senegal is mostly, primarily, a Muslim country.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, that's also kind of interesting how it, you know, you see the Muslim influence, the colonial influence, the traditional influence, like it's all kind of at work in this film. Um, I mean, that it feels like less prominent there. It's not, I don't think it factors into the film as, as much as some of the other stuff we've been talking about, but you know, everyone's sort of greeting, salam alaikum, alaikum salam. And, uh, you, you just sort of get a sense that like, you know, it's a very, uh, interesting mix of uh culture and history and that's all sort of at of work in the uh modern world for senegal but
0: yeah yeah like uh yeah one of my like favorite touches in the movie is this like how how, how like uh, uh how how immediately like the other businessmen like Sell out like their uh, the, it, like love, the first scene like it's yeah <laughs> I, they, they even sell out for, like their blackness because like in when the first turned a wedding uh, two of them were talking about like where did you go on vacation you went oh I am to Spain there are too many Negroes there
1: <laughs> or even the uh, the wedding cake I like I didn't notice until this time um, probably because the again the the DVD quality isn't the best but like the the little figures on the wedding cake are both white yeah
0: and like the wedding itself. Felt very Western, which I don't know if, like, uh, like I don't know, it felt distinctly like, like a comment of, like, even the wedding is, like, European style for him.
1: Hmm. Oh, are you still there?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm still here.
1: Okay, it sounded
0: like it cut out for a sec. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, but, I don't know, like they're, like, uh,. With the revenge element of, like, all the beggars coming back um, to cure him, which on um, some level, I am at, like, I can't help but think, like, are they fucking with him? They're like, is this actually a cure for <laughs> I mean, that
1: rants for my head, too. Like, I'm, like, I, I guess it's probably from something in tradition, but, like, okay, if you want us to remove this curse, take off all your clothes and let will just spit on you. It sounds like a put-on, right? Like, um, Yeah, I I wish I knew enough to be able to say for certain, but like that was kind of my impression, or, you know, but I, I, like, the meaning I took from it is, is again that, like, he needed to be humbled in some ways, so.
0: Okay.
1: It it kind of works on, you know, whether you take it as, like, a literal curse or not, or them fucking with him or not, like, it just feels like something that's necessary. This guy has to be, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, humbled, so. Okay, so um, I don't have much else to say besides if people haven't seen this, track it down where you can. But uh, uh, you might remember, maybe not, but I have a list on Letterboxd of radical black films, and I, I'm not sure if Shala is on the list, but would you consider this a radical black film?
1: I think it's radical, and it's critique of power, and uh, yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd call it radical. And like at the very least, the um, the daughter character feels like she's being radical by kind of questioning or standing up to some of this. So it's I, I could see fitting into that list, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would there's... hope that there's
1: maybe going to be like a new. DVD or Blu-ray for it at some point. I don't know if Criterion or something like that's working on it but it kind of feels like you know, if Mandabi's out on Blu-ray, like Xala shouldn't be that far behind, so.
0: Yeah, I feel like it should be the next one, but they announced Atlantics like two years ago and I wonder when that's going to happen and also if that means it will be taken off of Netflix.
1: Yeah, I don't know, and I mean, also, too, like, I don't necessarily know what the condition the prints are in, or, you know, like, sometimes there's other factors at play, like, it's released when, than just, like, oh, you know, this is the next, uh, in terms of profile or recognition, but... I don't know. Mulati, like, Mulati, at least, there's sort of a decent DVD, because it's a, like, that was his last film, it's a more recent film, but... Uh, I think, like, especially in the past few years, like, with that documentary, uh, there's maybe been, like, a wider recognition, uh, international recognition of his films, or kind of a renewed appreciation, at least. And it mm-hmm. would make sense to see more of those films put out there. But.
0: Yeah, especially the uh, Camp, uh, Camp Learoy. Uh, there are enough World War II movies about the, the bravery of white men, some are good, some are bad. But like yeah, it, it's been done already. But like a story like the Camp Roy story uh, should be way more way more famous and well known.
1: Mm-hmm. I think like in some circles it is, but it's just I don't know like a the lack of access to it for a lot of people. Like if it's not up on um, a popular streaming service, then like a lot of people today won't even know it exists. You know.
0: Yeah, but uh. I don't know. Uh, I hope, like, I mean, Soderbergh helped with um, Killer Sheep. Maybe he's gonna help with uh, Simban. Who knows? He seems like a cool dude with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or,
1: I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's still up on YouTube, but that's where I watched it. And sometimes I feel like that's <laughs> sort of one of the best places to watch films, mm-hmm. where people, like, you know, they throw up a film that. Nobody even knows to copyright strike, and it's, it's something interesting or difficult to find otherwise, and you can find all sorts of cool films on YouTube.
0: It is true.
1: And, again, the, the documentary I mentioned, uh, Without the King, I, I think that's uh, – I found that in two parts on YouTube. Um, it's a couple and, years old and, now. But. Yeah,
0: and um, Eswatini is the – I don't think I'm it on here – but is the only absolute mark he's left in the world. Like even I think Saudi Arabia has uh, changed their uh, their government, uh, so they're not absolute monarchy. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like he picks the he picks the government, and I mean, like they were kind of talking about in that documentary. Uh, There's like a little bit where they were saying like, oh, like this constitution has holes in it because it could be potentially used to restrict the power of the king, and, like, that was kind of how they were approaching the the Constitution, not as, like, hey, maybe we should restrict the power of the king, but it, like, you you know, the the documentary also shows there are people pushing for reform or democracy, and, like, that's still going on, and there's still lots of uh, issues that stem from the absolute authority of the king that are out in the open right now, so I don't know, like, that partly it was the polygamy and like just the kind of conversation about that but like you know that seeing somebody talk about oh we need to preserve traditions and the king is like the most traditional thing and we need to you know preserve that at all costs who's spending piles of money on like cars and private jet and stuff like that you know sort of the expense of his own people I think is is irresponsible but that's uh, that's a whole other thing (laughs)
0: maybe All yeah. yeah, right, this is seventy five. Uh, I have a lot of movies from this year that I that, that I really like. Oh, I, I will mention one because there there might in the future be uh, two uh, around two episodes on for on the director's work. Um, well, that most important thing, love uh, the Zulowski movie.
1: Oh yeah, that, was, that's a really great. I think that's getting a new Blu-ray, right?
0: Um, Mad Love just got from Kino.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I guess Mondo was putting out the um, the Jowalski <clears throat> films for a while, and I don't know if they have the rights anymore. They were working on that like Polish trilogy box set for forever. I don't know what's up with that. If that's still coming out or not, but um,
0: yeah, I don't know, cause like. <laughs> I don't know, like does no, no, they, no, no. He divorced from Sophia or so it must yeah. be like his kids aren't in, are in charge, I don't know. It has I'm to be like sure a, a a family means. family issue with that. But uh, but that's know. a great film. That's yeah, yeah. I love that. Most important thing, love the title sucks, but the movie it, it sounds better <laughs> in
1: French. It's <laughs>
0: <But, laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, a little hint for the future uh, of some potential episodes that might or might not sh- might show up on the, or might not show up on the on the feed.
1: Uh, that'd be really cool. Any, conversa- any conversation about Jelofsky is interesting, and I kind of feel like it's sort of weird now, like for a while, his French work was sort of easier to find and see, and now it feels almost like Flipped, where everyone kind of talks about Possession and uh, his Polish films, and the French films have been kind of... I don't I, like I, I mean, they're out on DVD, but I feel yeah. like they, they just don't come up as often now, but I know, they're,
0: they're, yeah they so. uh, you know. Yeah. When I had the realization that Zolovsky made French movies, I was like, oh, this is the perfect excuse. And then I remember Barovshak made some French movies, and I'm like... Yeah. The season is full enough already. I don't have time for a off check, too. <laughs>
1: right. I mean, there's quite a few Polish filmmakers who, um, especially, you know, considering the political situation in Poland around that time, uh, left for France and worked in France. And, uh, I mean, for, like, a long time in Poland's history, there's been kind of close ties to French, and a lot of Polish people speak French fluently. And um, hmm. uh, But 1975 film... Is it okay if I recommend one?
0: Yeah, yeah go for it. You can recommend, like, okay. five if you feel like it.
1: Sure. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, if you listened to this and enjoyed uh, Shala or you know, want to see something, I, it's not really that similar, but uh, there's a movie called Chak the Rain God by Rolando Klein, which is all in uh, a Mayan language, and it's sort of about Maya people in um, then-present-day 1970s Guatemala and it's about them going through a drought in their village and they have to go and get a traditional rainmaker and there's maybe a curse, maybe not, maybe something supernatural, maybe not, and it just kind of felt like, you know, maybe that might be an interesting fit to kind of go along with this. And it's, um, it's a really gorgeous film. I think when it came out, it kind of got overshadowed by uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God, came out at like the same festival and one sort of got, uh, Chak kind of got buried, but oh. Um,
0: oh. it's
1: uh, it's a really, really great film. I, I wrote a little bit about it in my uh, apocalyptic book.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, to actually read that book eventually. I won't watch the movie because...
1: I feel like um, I don't, I'm sort of worried that when I tell people I wrote a book about apocalyptical, they're going to assume it's like a backdoor apologetics for Mel Gibson, which is not. It's meant to be like a, a sort of historical critique. Uh, but it's, uh,
0: <laughs> I, it's like,
1: I, I get the question a couple of times now where it's like, oh, why, why what made you want to write about uh, Mel Gibson movie? And it's like, well, like you kind of have to go and explain this sort of convoluted route to, like, why you ended up talking about this particular film, but um, it's not out of being, like, a Mel Gibson fan, so... <laughs> yeah. I it,
0: I, mean, I understand that. Yeah. Like, it's okay to write, uh, like, about art from a um, uh, problematic person.
1: I think so. Well, like, and even... It's not like I'm going out of my way to praise everything he's doing. It's more just like a springboard to kind of talk about a lot of the issues related to the way the culture has been depicted on film, or cultures really. It's, it's kind of diverse, but the, and, you know, the history of it and just examining certain issues uh through film, like, it, it was kind of a perfect springboard for that, but, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, what,
0: uh,
1: Actually, I've got a new article on the way that should be, maybe by the time people hear this, it might be up on the Pink Smoke. It's going to be on the Patreon first, and then it should be up on the main website a little bit later, where I wrote about uh, Amasante's film Bell and Mike Lee's film Mr. Turner, and kind of talked about the history behind them, and uh, the paintings that inspired the films. Uh, Two paintings, specifically, that come up in the films, and sort of shared history between them. So, that's something people might want to look for. Um, I'll probably post the link to it on Twitter. I'm at Movie Kessler. if anyone wants to find me on
0: Twitter. Okay. I have a thing for Grumpire. Uh, it'll, it'll happen eventually, but it, it's on the, the... I forgot the name of the column, but it's the the one that is... Movies are secretly punk rock. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh pandemic kind of slows down everything so uh eventually it will be it'll it'll be done but uh yes and uh this comes out in august so uh okay yeah i think it's august or September. it doesn't matter so around this time it'll be like the contempt episode where i tried to talk about Godard, even though I don't care for that movie that You're much, content,
1: it's for *Contempt*,
0: it's fine. <laughs> it's interesting, but it's fine. Yeah. And I, it, it, yeah, it's a fun conversation having Dave explain explain that movie to me. <laughs> and uh, then straight a tomorrow the uh *Dasika* movie that right. is uh, a whole lot of fun. You get to see all sides of Marcello Mastroianni. In that end, uh, September. That's gonna be a weird month, so I don't know what uh, what will happen for that one. So I have to change the schedule around. So uh, something. Well, there will the, there'll be episodes in September. Just like I don't know what exactly it will be in September.
1: Anyway, thank you again for having me on to talk about this film. And uh, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, and I'll be on. Uh, uh, uh. Fluxbox Canada again no. in the vague uh, future.
1: It might be a, a different show, but oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk in the future. Uh, we've we've got okay. something planned.
0: Okay, and uh, oh, I'm a I'm on production booth for African August. I think what's called. I should I should have looked at email to see to clarify, but it's a month full of African films because for. I don't know, three years. Uh, I've been jokingly slash seriously bothering the host about doing <laughs> African films. And so now it's actually happening, and I'm on all of them for the whole month.
1: Yeah, you're the person I'd, I'd want to listen to, so I'm I'm glad that worked out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, you're the Alexi Germain... Germain? You're, uh, you're the Alexi uh, Germain... Like, Germain. Germain uh guy I'm an African movie guy you know yeah uh Marcus is a clarinet guy we we all have our our lone issues. Yeah. yeah
1: no, and I mean like it's always fun whenever we have a chance to talk about African cinema. I feel like it's actually kind of surprising it's taken us this long to talk about uh like we you know we've covered yeah. our ad and um,
0: yeah what i will I'll be honest with the, the with the listeners on this since last season. I realized there's no Sun Ben. Once I, uh, once like, uh I think someone was like, oh, well, Black Girls Conference knew if I was like, okay, that's a perfect excuse to use Sun Ben for next season. Yep. Yeah. So, uh yeah, that's it. See you guys for whatever episode is next after this. I don't know what it will be. The show can be found on Twitter at piano player pod our email is still high and low pod at gmail.com you can find a show on spotify podbean and various other places where you can find podcasts our intro music is by vivian fop and our cover art is by sarah roberts you can find her art sarah kathleen roberts.com and thank you for listening
1: Hey, Gloria.